so grateful for each one. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to begin in verse 19, but then we're also going to go as a text today to Proverbs 13 and verse 12. So 1 Corinthians 15, Proverbs 13. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Proverbs 13 and 12. Just a short portion of this. I'm going to read Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Turn to your neighbor before we pray and tell them there is hope. There is hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word truly is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I'm asking you today, Lord, to let us hear what you would say to the church. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise for all of your many blessings upon us. Bless us one more time, we ask. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. One more time, why don't we give God a hand clap of praise today. Amen, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. You can be seated. Having hope is essential to life. A life without hope is a life without expectation and anticipation for the good. It is a life that would be bereft of confidence that compels an individual to move forward and to keep walking another day. Hopelessness is a form of heart disease that plagues many who have become addicts and chemically dependent. It's a sickness that makes the otherwise gifted person to become idle and ineffective in their life. This is the reason that the Bible declares that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. I love what the scripture says in the book of Psalm, chapter number 119, the 119th Psalm. I'm going to skip around just a bit here, but in verse 43... It declares, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. They, Verse 74, they that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. 166, Lord, I have hoped in thy salvation, and I have done thy commandments. Some might ask today, where does hopelessness end and where does true hope begin? I believe that the psalmist found it. It is in the Word of God. If you have heart disease today, I'm talking about hopelessness. I want to give you your prescription today. No, I want to give you your cure today. The end of hopelessness is found in the Word of God. The Word of God. 
that never changes. The grass withers. The flower thereof falleth away. But the word of God is going to stand forever when your whole world is collapsing around you and you feel a spirit of hopelessness come upon you. Let me encourage you today. Get in the word of God. It is a sure foundation. Sometimes we face, and I want to talk to us about a few points today, we face a hopeless present. We feel at times in our life that the time that we're living in, we're never going to get through it. We're never going to get over the pain. We're never going to get over the situation that we have faced in our life. But Ephesians 2 and verse 12 declares that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Many live their lives without God, and they live their lives without His Word. Most of us in this place can perhaps remember what life was like before we tasted of so great a salvation. Many of us in this room can remember, and I believe it is important that we do remember where God has brought us from. I know that there are times in our lives that our memories are painful. But do understand, your pain can be turned into praise when you make your past a part of your testimony. This is the reason why that David the psalmist stood up and said... My sin is ever before me. He was saying, I will never forget what life was before. He will never forget the way that things used to be. Most of us, we've got to keep remembering in this place as well. Because that's how we remind ourselves how good God has been to us. When we remember when there was a great wall that separated us from where we were supposed to be. But God, but God stepped on the scene. And this is the reason why Ephesians 2 and 14, the Bible declares, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition that is between us. So today I want to say to each and every one of us in this place that if you will stand upon the word of God, even if you feel hopeless, even if you feel like there's a wall standing between you and the goodness of God, there's something about the power of my Jesus and the blood that was shed on Calvary that removes that wall of partition that has separated us. Oh, the hopeless present. Some people are living with a false hope as well. False hope. Pastor texted me yesterday and told me to preach. So can I just do that today? Can I just, can I just do it today? Some people are, are, are just living with false hope. Job 8 and 13 So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish, whose hope shall be cut off, whose trust shall be a spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. Many in this world today are declaring that there is no God. Let me say it the way the scripture declares it. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. 
They lean upon their own understanding. They chide the elect children of God for trusting in Him and not leaning upon their own understanding. I remember in college I had a professor, and I I don't know uh, if around here you all have uh, had uh, these billboards, uh, the I Am Second movement. I don't know if anybody, I see some heads bobbling. Uh, Yeah, the the I Am Second movement. It's uh, some famous people that were declaring that they were putting God first in their life, and so it started a movement, I Am Second. I had an atheist professor in college that uh, stood up in front of us and said on the first day of class, I just want to be very clear to every one of you in this room about one thing. All of the signs that you see around town, this was in Evansville where we were living, all of the signs you see around town that say I am second, well I just want you to know that you have a professor in this class that I am first. He said I am first in my life. He said, I'm not putting God first in my life. He said, there is no way in this world that I'm going to go into this class and you be guessing about what it is that I believe. He said, I am first. I could feel the hot blood rising up. Now, I know you all don't get angry. Let me call it righteous indignation. It sounds a whole lot better than wrath. It started rising up from the bottom of my feet. And, and uh, oh yes, our, us gingers, we, we, can, we can get a little bit of a, a fiery temper. Can I get an amen up here on the front row? Oh, come on somebody. Amen. I've got a few witnesses. I just need two or three up in here. Come on. The world is unashamed about it. The world is coming out of the closet declaring our hope is in vain and leaning upon their own false hope. But their house shall not stand. My hope today is not built on the wisdom of man My hope today is not built upon enticing words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Sand. Talking about my hope today. It's easy for us as apostolic believers to become frustrated because we see a lot of the things that are going on in this world. As the world is coming out of the closet, we feel pushed into a corner. No more. Let God arise and let His enemies be scattered. Let the armies of Hashem, the armies of the Lord arise with truth in their hearts and praise on their lips and declare there is hope for this lost and dying world. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And I believe today 
that there's some balm of Gilead in this place to administer healing to someone who's feeling hopeless. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. You see, this doesn't make sense. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. Verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed. You've walked into this place full of shame. I've come to preach some hope to you. Because this hope that I have and this hope that I feel in this place, it's not going to put shame upon you because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. How many in this place have experienced the Holy Ghost and all of your hopelessness melted away? Come on. I want to preach to somebody today. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it. All I can say is I've got it. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. If you've got the testimony today of Jesus Christ in your heart and you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can boldly stand up and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Hope maketh not ashamed power to take your shame away because the love of God in our hearts by the power of the Holy Ghost hope in miraculous restoration is there anyone in this place today that knows what restoration feels like. What generation, regeneration feels like. Oh yes. Job 14 and verse number 7. I love this scripture. When I evangelized, I preached this thing every way it could be preached. Forwards, backwards, up and down, diagonal, everything. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. (laughs) We had a willow tree out by the barn when I was a boy. I still have a walking stick from that tree. I love my walking stick. It's out in my garage. It just makes me feel like Moses to walk with it, you know. It's not every day somebody gets to feel like Moses, but when I walk with that rascal, it's, it's, it's kind of, kind of curly cue, and it's got, it's got a line around it because there was some vines that went up it and, and kind of cut into it a little bit. And so I used to go morel hunting with that thing. And I've never cast that walking stick on the ground and it became a snake, but I have killed many snakes with it. When the Bible says they shall take up serpents, I am convinced that means accidentally. 
I just felt a witness come in this house right now. Come on, somebody. That tree began to grow into the barn, and my grandfather and my father said, well, we've got to cut it down. They cut it down. It didn't take long. They thought they'd got it. But it grew back even bigger than it was before. Why? Because there is hope of a tree that if it be cut down, it will sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Verse number 8. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground. Verse number 9. Look. Yet through the scent of water it will bud. Have you ever been outside and it wasn't raining but you could smell it in the air? Remember what that smells like? You can detect the moisture in the air and some people there say, I know it's going to rain because, you know, my joints are aching and everything like that. But that's not as pleasant. But the scent of water, through the scent of water, it will bud. All of this is made possible because of the scent of water. When you know it's going to rain, what do we do? A lot of times we want to run out of the rain. I remember many times uh, in India during the monsoon season, people, uh, they like to run out and and play in the rain. My wife and I have seen people, well, I've been nearly baptized uh, in some of the puddles over there with some terrible floods are going on there right now. But when it rains, begins to rain and people are outside, what do people do? They usually don't just stand there. They run for cover. That's how sometimes people are in the house of God. Oh, there's a sin of water again. You know, I would have been content with just a service today so that I could come in and leave and say I've done my, my due diligence and now I can go through the rest of the week and do what I want to do and not feel any conviction about the sin that I'm living in. Oh boy, am I preaching? That's not even in my notes. No, it's not. When it begins to rain and you know you need restoration, you know that you need to bud again, you know you've been cut down in your life, but you tend to run whenever the Holy Ghost rain begins to fall. I wonder what would happen in this place today if somebody would say, you know, I feel like singing in the rain for a little while. I feel like dancing in the rain for a little while. Why? Because I've got some places in my life that need to be restored. Because I've got some places in my heart that need that scent of water today. Oh, yes. Job goes on to tell us a pretty interesting point. For he maketh small the drops of water. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, in everything, give thanks. He maketh small the drops of water. Aren't you thankful for that? Because can you imagine a five-gallon bucket-sized drop of water falling on your head? Thank God for the little things, church. Job said, he maketh small the drops of water. 
they pour down rain according to what? The vapor thereof. The clouds, they don't just appear out of nowhere. We know this. From evaporation to cloud formation to rain. We've got to send something up from where we are. In fact, this is something I can say is tried and proven in my life and I would say in the lives of many people in this room today that when you need something in your life, when you need something from God, you're not going to always get it with your mouth shut sitting down. Sometimes people will sit and say, if I could just get the right prophet to come through. If I could just get the right song to be sung. If they would preach from that scripture, I might do something. But you sit there the rest of the time singing, I shall not be moved. Come on somebody. I'm trying to help us today. I'm talking about miraculous restoration. It is not going to come sitting still. If you want that scent of water to restore you again, to make you fruitful again, when the praises go up, the glory comes down. When the vapor goes up, the rain comes down. I wonder if just for a few seconds right now, we could send up some vapor of praise until that rain begins to fall. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Be seated for a moment. Things in this life, my dear brothers and sisters, will cut us to the bone sometimes. Sometimes they'll even cut us down. But remember, just because you're cut down does not mean that you're cut off. I'm not cut off from the grace and mercy of God. I'm not cut off from the Holy Ghost reign. I'm not cut off from the hope that I can have in Jesus. Grace and mercy of God is still available. You don't have to stay cut down. You're not hopeless. You are still a miracle in the waiting. How many times in our past have we been cut down? But because of the word of God, because of the presence of God, because of the scent of water, we sprouted again. Hope for purification. 1 John 3 and 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as he is pure. When you don't understand the times that we're living in, you'll do everything that you can to keep yourself pure. This is not a time to quit church. 
This is not a time to quit your ministry. This is not a time to quit praying. This is not a time to quit on holiness and on separation. This is a time to keep holiness. This is a time to keep purity. We have a blessed hope today, church family. We don't know today, according to the scripture, what we shall be. But we do know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Oh, I have that blessed, blessed hope today. Today is an interesting day. In fact, it was yesterday. Around the world, the world's Jews are observing something called Tishbav. Tishbav actually just means the ninth day of the month of Av. Today's the tenth day. We can't celebrate it on Shabbos, on on the Sabbath, uh, which was yesterday. So today it's going on. A fast is going on. All around the world, the world's Jews are fasting today. It began last night and will end tonight. The reason, and this is some theology for you, that is kind of interesting Two temples were built, right? Both of them were destroyed. Did you know that they were destroyed both on the same day, several hundred years apart? That's the reason why that Tishbaav is considered a day of mourning, a day of fasting. No one takes a bath on Tishbaav. It's an interesting day for sure. It's not an observance of biblical commandments. But if there's ever been a time for mourning, it would have been when the holy city of Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome and then where the first temple was also destroyed and taken siege. Both temples destroyed on the same day as well as many other tragedies that happened on the same day. World War I began on Tishbaav. The implications of World War I created Adolf Hitler. Think about that. What does that mean to the world's Jewry? So many different things have happened on this very same day for many millennia. There was a poem that was written in the late 1800s, 1887, 1888, when Jews in Europe were losing hope of their situation. They could not own land. They could not do a lot of things. The only thing they could be involved in was finance. The reason why a lot of Jews today own banks is because of this very reason. But they were beginning to wonder, why is it That after so many years, we don't have a home. We're scattered everywhere. Some people came up with the idea that maybe we should try to purchase some land somewhere down in Africa. They wanted to go bless the rains down in Africa. I don't know. But you're God's holy people. You have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's good. But they started to throw this idea around. But one poet put pen to parchment 
and began to write about a hope that was written in the Word of God. He began to write about it reminding the Jews of Europe of that blessed hope. He wrote these words, Odloavda tikvatenu, hatikvabat shnot alpaim, lihoit am chovshi liartsenu eretzion liyerushalayim. Our hope is not yet lost. The hope 2,000 years old, he wrote, to be a free nation in our land, the land of Zion and Jerusalem. Because of the idea of trying to gather all of Israel, all the children of Israel in Africa, he said, no, that's not what was written in the Word. That's not the hope that we've been praying for for 2,000 years. If we're going to have a blessed home to dwell in freely, it's going to be in the land of Zion and in the land of Jerusalem. This was written in 1887, 1888. These words became a fountain of hope. For a nation that still had pogroms, anti-Semitism, gas chambers, forced labors, ghettos, starvation, disease, and displacement to face. But 60 years after these words were penned, that hope became a reality. For 2,000 years wondering... Waiting, feeling abandoned, feeling forgotten, and feeling hopeless. The words of Hatikva, the hope, the nation of Israel would be born on May 14, 1948. These words would eventually become the words of the Israeli national anthem, Hatikva, which means the hope. How is it possible a people so abused could hang on to a hope that was written in the Word of God? It's because they decided we cannot forget what was written in the Word of God. I go back to where I began today, church family. If you and I are going to have hope today, it's got to go back to the Word of God. And as the hope of Israel, having been realized with the birth of the nation in 1948, I say to you and I today, we are also waiting on a blessed hope. Titus chapter 2 verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you today, but I'm getting a little bit excited thinking about that soon appearing of my God and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, I want to preach to somebody today and encourage you. We're looking for that blessed hope, that glorious appearing. It's coming. And I think it won't be long. 
Stand with me today. I want to encourage you, my dear brothers and sisters. We need to live like we've never lived it before. The Messiah is soon to appear. And I am looking for that blessed hope. I believe he's coming back like he said. I believe that the trumpet's going to sound so loud. One day it will wake the dead. In the twinkling of an eye. He's going to split the eastern skies. And I believe he's coming back like he said. And I believe the time is nearing. We'll soon see His appearing. This could be the hour. Oh, this could be the day when the saints from every nation shall lose their gravitation in the middle of the air. Be called away. Oh, I still believe it, church family. He's coming back just like He said. We've been waiting a long time, brothers and sisters. But I'm here to tell you, I'm still looking for that blessed hope. I'm still looking for that great getting up morning. I'm still awaiting the day. Sis, whatever's on your heart today, you just obey God. Somebody in this place might have heart disease today. For you, I've preached this. That God looked down at you in your situation. And with His grace, He said, I'm going to send a word forth to you that can heal your hopelessness. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Most everyone in their lives have faced hopelessness at one time or the other. Most everyone. Some in this room might have situations that you've just pushed off the side and just said in your heart, there's never going to be any hope for this. Maybe it's the healing of a disease. Maybe it's overcoming some kind of mental anguish or depression or oppression in your life. Perhaps it's a lost loved one that the spirit of hopelessness has tried to grip your heart and tell you they're never coming back. If God has promised you today that they're coming back I'm here to preach hope to you and say keep on believing keep on trusting I want to invite you to this altar area today to pray and as you're coming I want you to have a wellspring of hope to well up inside of you Hope for your healing. Hope for your purification. Hope for your deliverance. Hope for your peace of mind. 
hope that you're going to make it through the trials of this life. Whether it's small or whether it's great, He cares for us. Maybe you've been cut down. Come with your hands in the air and begin to send up that vapor of praise so that the drops of water can fall upon you and restore you once again. There is still hope of a tree. If it be cut down, it will sprout again. Maybe you have shame about your past. It's time to turn that shame into a testimony. Hope maketh not ashamed today. That's it, saints of God. Go ahead, let's cry out to Him right now. A new and fresh hope. A new spirit of expectation for you today. You can do it. God is for you. He's with you. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon thy right hand. He's with you. He's like your shadow going everywhere that you go. And He has hope for you today.